born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Acts and chapter... Acts chapter 3, as you know, we have been doing some studies in the book of Acts. A portion of scripture we're going to look at today is very, very important for the times in which we live. I love studying the scriptures and trying to see, now what does this mean? Now what does this mean? Well, there's some things in here that can look a little tricky. There's many of the promises that God made to Israel in the Old Testament. And because of these promises that God made way back here before the cross, dealing with Israel going to have a king someday, a kingdom upon the earth called the Davidic Millennial Kingdom that's going to last for a thousand years and be like the Garden of Eden. Well, the Bible talks about this, made all these promises And the Messiah was going to come, and that the Messiah was going to suffer and also have glory. But they had a difficult time trying to discern the difference between the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. It's easy for us today because we know the sufferings of Christ took place, and we know that someday the glory will follow. And so Christ will return in power and great glory. And these Old Testament prophecies refers to the nation of Israel, but because Christ was rejected and crucified, many people believe that those promises no longer are valid. And so they try to make, uh, you know, uh, America the spiritual Israel or something along that line. That is not the truth. America is not Israel. There's promises that God made to the nation of Israel. And they have been postponed for a while. And God even tells us in his word right here that we're going to look at about these things. Now, understand this. That the people that crucified Jesus Christ. Now we know the Romans put him on a cross. The nation of Israel, the scribes, the rulers, the leaders, they rejected him. And so Peter is talking to them and saying that, you know, you have become the murderers of the Son of God, the Prince of Life. In the Old Testament, it's mentioned in the book of Deuteronomy, it's also mentioned in Numbers, also mentioned in the book of uh, Joshua. So take your Bible, first of all, hold your place there in the book of Acts, so we're coming back there, but I want you to see this in the book of Joshua, 
and chapter 20. In the book of Joshua and chapter 20, way back there in the Old Testament, there is a, a statement that is made that when they got into the land, Moses had told them that you're supposed to have cities of refuge. There was to be six cities, three on one side of the river, three on the other side, and they were cities of refuge, that if you accidentally kill somebody, you were to flee and get to one of these cities, and you were to stay there, and you had to stay there until the high priest died, so that the person that was going to avenge their, the death of their loved one didn't kill you. So they had to wait, and then whenever the high priest died, then they would be free. They could go back home, and the guy couldn't touch him. And the reason this is important is because, see, the nation of Israel has broken this law. See, they had murdered an innocent man. The nation of Israel has murdered an innocent man. Jesus Christ was innocent. He had no sin. He did not deserve to die. No one had the right to have him killed. And because of that, the nation of Israel, still under the law and the condemnation of the law, had to fall under this. So if you look there in chapter 20, look at verse 1. The Lord also spake unto Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint out for you cities of refuge. Whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses, that the slayer that killeth any person unawares and unwittingly may flee thither. And they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. And when he that doth flee unto one of those cities shall stand at the entering of the gate of the city, and shall declare his cause in the ears of the elders of that city, they shall take him into the city unto them, and give him a place that he may dwell among them. And if the avenger of blood pursue after him, then they shall not deliver the slayer up into his hand, because he smote his neighbor unwittingly and hated him not before time. In other words, no premeditated murder. Manslaughter, yes. So the nation of Israel already had this on the books. This is what they were supposed to do. Now, go back there to the book of Acts. The book of Acts and chapter 3. And notice there in verse 12. Now Peter and John had gone into the temple. And there was a beggar there that had been a beggar for 40 years. And he was holding out his arms. He wanted some, uh, some money. And so Peter and John says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The man did. He jumped up and shouted, praising the Lord. Everybody's excited. But you see, the, the Lord didn't do this to a guy that had just been laid there, you know, yesterday or last week or last month. This man had been there for 40 years. They couldn't question it. Couldn't doubt it. So God knows what he's doing and why certain miracles were done at different times. But it was to confirm the word that he had preached. And so he made the statement in verse 12. And when Peter saw that the people were greatly wondering about what was going on. See, from the previous verse, he says, why, why are you all excited? 
Like you don't know what's going on. You ought to know what's going on. He says, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk? Peter and John said, we didn't do this. Jesus did this. I didn't do it. Peter didn't do it. James didn't do it. John didn't do it. None of the apostles did. It was the Lord that did this. And now he gets to letting them know what they really think. I preached a sermon one time, pretty strong. And somebody came out the door and they shook my hand and says, Pastor, why don't you tell us what you really think? Now he's going to tell them what he really thinks. And he says in verse 13, The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son, and some say it means servant, but his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. He wanted to let him go, but you were determined that he would die. He says, you did this. You murdered the innocent man. Where are you going to flee? You're supposed to flee to the city of refuge. Now, in the Old Testament, yes, it was a type of people understanding that when you did something wrong and worthy of death, there was a place that you could flee. And it's also a picture of Jesus Christ, who is our place of refuge. You see, all of us need to understand that we have all sinned against a holy God. And because of that, we need a place to flee, to get away from his anger, to get away from his wrath. But like it says in the Psalms, David says, where could a man go? Where can he run? Where can he hide? Where can you go to get away from God and the wrath of God? Now, I know there's a lot of people today that don't like to think about that because it's, um, well, it offends them. To talk about sin, hell, judgment. You know, those are just not things that makes me feel comfortable. But it's in the Bible, and it's, it's real. And people need to understand that. I have not found a way to soften that. There is a literal fire-burning hell where all of the individuals who have not trusted Christ as their Savior will spend an eternity. Now, if there is no such place, why did Christ come? Why did he die? What is he saving me from if there's nothing to be saved from? So I believe that it is all there and it is true. And so the reason that he tells them, look, you should have known. You should have known. The prophets in the Old Testament prophesied that Jesus would come, the Messiah, and what would happen to him. He says, you have fulfilled the scriptures in crucifying the prince of life. Now, there's many things that you find in just these few verses that it talks about. You look there in this verse, in verse 13, the God of Abraham. It mentions Isaac. It mentions Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his son, Jesus, whom ye denied and delivered him up to Pilate when he was determined. Look at all the things in this one verse of all these things. Now, look what else he says. Verse 14, but ye denied the Holy One, 
That's the Lord, Jesus Christ. You read the book of Isaiah and you'll find the word, the Holy One, the Holy One, the Holy One. All the way through it. He's talking about Jesus. And get this. You denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murder to be granted unto you. Because they said, we don't want this man. And they said, who shall I deliver? And they released Barabbas. A thief, a murderer, a man that was no good. And here's someone that was perfect, never did anything wrong to anybody. And they didn't want him. And they made the statement, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. They got their wish. I want you to hold your place right here. Look in Luke chapter 23. The book of Luke in chapter 23. And you'll notice there's a statement that Jesus makes while he is on the cross. And there's a reason why he made this statement. Chapter 23, and look there in verse 34. Well, look what Jesus said. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If they had known and really knew that he was really the Son of God, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Also says that in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 2. That had the princes of this world knew that he was who he claimed to be, they would not have done so. They did not believe that he was the Son of God. They did not believe that he was the Messiah. They literally thought they were killing somebody that was guilty of blasphemy. Because they said that you, being a man, makest thyself God. The only problem was he was telling the truth. But they didn't believe he was telling the truth. So Jesus says, Father, lay not this sin to their charge. They don't know what they're doing. Now go back there to the book of Acts in chapter 3. And you'll notice here in Acts in chapter 3, look in verse 17. Where he makes a statement. And now, brethren, he says, I know that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. You did it ignorantly. Now that means that they have the right to flee to a city of refuge. Or in reality, God has the right to wipe them out as a nation. Because they killed an innocent man. He was not guilty. So he says here in uh, verse 15, what did they do? He says, you killed The prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead. Now, why is this a lot of problem for them? Because, you see, you had some of the Sanhedrin that did not believe in the resurrection. A group called the Sadducees. And the reason they were so sad, you see, is because they didn't believe in the power of God and the miracles and so forth. They didn't believe in the resurrection. If you look there in the book of Acts and in chapter 4, where it makes the statement... As they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. And why? Because they were grieved. Why were they grieved? As it says in verse 2, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. See, they didn't believe in the resurrection. And so they want to know, there's this crippled man of 40 years. And... How did you do this? What power did you use? 
And it says, not by our power, but it says in his name, the one that you rejected, the one you crucified, the one that was murdered. He says, he's the same one that came back from the dead. And in his name and by his power, this man was made whole. You see, you would think, well, there's enough evidence here. Anybody ought to respond and say, hey, I was wrong. I made a mistake. I confess. I'm guilty. Is that what they did? I I don't think that's exactly what they did. I want you to see there in Acts chapter 4, look in verse 5. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power? Who gave you the authority to do what you did? If, if I saw them do that, I wouldn't question where they got the authority from. If they can make a man whole, they might be able to take my life. But look what he says here. In verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. So we're talking about the leaders of the nation. If we this day be examined the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. He's evidenced this man that had been healed. Forty years a cripple, a beggar. They saw this man. And now he's jumping and running and hollering and praising the Lord. And they said, now wait, 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 who did this? Who gave you the authority to do this? By what power are you doing it? And you would think that after all of the evidence that the leaders in the nation of Israel, well, they would have realized the error of their way. They would have realized, hey, we were wrong. So look there in Acts in chapter 3 and look in verse 16. And his name, talking about Christ, through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. You knew who this man was. It's not a figment of the imagination. They saw a miracle and they could not explain it. But they didn't want to believe the message. You know, there's people just like it. It doesn't matter what the evidence is. Their minds are made up. Don't bother me with the facts. You can read this Bible from one end to the other where God says that a man is saved by grace. And grace means that you have to be saved through the gospel. It has to be free. And it has to last forever. Any one of those is not there. It is not the gospel. It's not good news. So if it's free, it means it has to last forever. If it doesn't last forever, it wasn't free. Because it means you had to pay a price to keep it. If you have to pay a price to keep it, it's not a gift. Then salvation is not salvation, it's probation. So let's just pretend when I was in Athens, Georgia, and I trusted Christ as my Savior, God saved me. It didn't cost me anything. Why? Because it was free. And 
How do I know it's really free? Because he says, I don't have to pay anything to get it, and I don't have to pay anything to keep it. Because if I do, and I could lose it down the road, it's because it wasn't free. It was contingent upon me living a certain way and obeying something so that I can keep it. God says it has to be free, and it has to last forever. That's why he says it's eternal life. And whenever the evidence is in and people can sit in the boat, and yet you can still be so hard-headed and so hard-set that you never really see it. I thought for years I had to be good to go to heaven, that I had to keep the Ten Commandments, that I had to go to church. I, had to, I didn't, but I thought that's what you had to do. I just like a lot of people. I guess I'm going to go to heaven. Might as well have me a ball before I get out of here. I didn't know. I just recently heard that James was talking about one of the guys over there that he had talked to. They said they never heard this before, never understood this before. And that young girl sitting over there, she, she said the same thing. I, I've gone to church all these years, but I never understood until last night. She saw it, and it was clear as a bell, and she trusted Christ as her Savior. So you see, you can go to church, and you can be religious and still never see it. Because you're so dead set on what you think, and it doesn't matter what God's Word has to say. This is where they were. They had crucified Jesus Christ. And he tells them, don't you understand that the prophets told you this was going to happen, and now you did it. But you can still change your mind. And on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 of them got saved. And here in chapter 4, in verse... um, uh, verse 4, uh, 5,000 got saved. But I want you to go back there to verse 18. Joking verse 18. Where it makes a statement, But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. See, in the Old Testament, he told them in advance. He said where Christ would be born, in the city of Bethlehem, it says in Micah 5, 2, But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judea, yet out of thee shall he come forth that is to be ruler in Israel. And he was to be born of a virgin. And he has to come from the line of David and of the tribe of Judah. So all this was told. If I was to take and walk among you and I was to show you a picture of my little granddaughter, I'm tempted to do that. I've got pictures when she was just a little baby, just born. And then I've got pictures that she got a little bit older and learning how to walk. I've held her in my arms. And so I've got, a, I've got a lot of pictures if you want to see them. And she got to where she could walk and then she can talk. And now we're trying to get her to shut up and sit down. <laughs> and now she's eight years old, pretty as can be, loves Papa. Now, if I showed you her picture so you could see her, and then next Sunday I was to bring her in here, you ought to recognize her. I done showed you her pictures that clearly shows this is my granddaughter. Duh. You say, well, I I didn't recognize her. I didn't recognize her. You should have recognized her. I showed you her picture. You should, all you had to do is look at it. This is what Peter is saying in his message. All the prophets, they showed you his picture. They told you what he looks like. 
They told you where he'd be born. It, it, they told you all these things about him. They told you how he would live. They even told you how he would die, when he would die. But way with everything about him, why couldn't you recognize him? Because people are hard-hearted. Now, I'd hate to say there's probably one or two of you in this room just as hard-hearted as they were. It won't matter what God says. I'm set in my ways. I know what I believe. And come hell or high water, I'll never change. Don't, nothing matters. Did you know you're going to spend eternity in hell if you don't trust Christ and Him alone as your only hope of going to heaven? How many times I've had people that I've said this to and they finally see it. I was talking to a man just the other day. And, and I use this pretty much the same opening like I tell you all the time. And it works. Sir, isn't it true that you've heard almost all your life that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for all the sins of the world? Well, yeah. If he paid for all of your sins and all of my sins, tell me why should I go to hell and pay for sin? Even one sin. If he paid for all of my sins. Why should I pay for one sin. If he paid for all of my sins. Because see people don't really believe he did. Well he paid for some of them. Well I need help. I'm just going to. He's just going to help me live good enough. to You don't get it. He died for me. So that I don't have to pay for one sin. I do not have to today, tomorrow, for eternity, never have to pay for one sin in hell. Why? He died for me so that I don't have to go to hell and pay for a sin. I believe he did it for me. And there's a lot of other people who say, well, I believe he did it for me too, and you're just saved by grace. But if you don't live right, then you don't believe it. You really believe that you're saved by what you do. Because if you don't do it, you won't make it. Hard-hearted. And you wonder, what would God have to do to break a person? And God has a ways and means committee. And sometimes he might just have to bring out a two before and knock you upside the head real good and hard. To get you to the place where you can see, you know, if I was to die right now, or 20 years from now... Do I really know I'm going to heaven? Am I going to heaven? See, I'm going to heaven. I know it now. I know it for the future. I couldn't go to hell if I tried. I haven't tried, but I can't go to hell. Why? He died for my sins. How many? All of them. If he just did it for some of them, he didn't help me out at all. All I would need is one sin to send me to hell. But he died for me. And so they did not believe it. So he tells them some things here. And I want you to see this. Look there in verse 19. Repent ye therefore. The word repent. Change your mind. Think differently. Reconsider. I've given you the evidence. I've given you the facts. Change your mind. The ones you crucified. The one you murdered. Who was innocent. The prince of life. And he said, and you're guilty. You're talking about somebody who preached a hard sermon. He did not read Dale Carnegie's book on how to win friends and influence people. He hits right between the eyes. He made them, they got mad. And get what he says. 
Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Now, this thing about refreshing. Anybody got a computer, you'll know that they got a refresh button on it. It means to reset it. And sometimes I've had to reset it. Sometimes you can go in there to watch our streaming, and it doesn't show up right. And so just hit the refresh. And sometimes it's a little circle that goes like this here, and you'd hit that little circle button. It means to refresh it again. Or you can right-click, and it has on there, refresh. Y'all understand what I'm saying? You've got to reset it. He said, listen, this is the way you are. You need to reset. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.